This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm joined, as always, by David Hughes. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate, yeah. You're going to ask why I am. How are you, Josh? Got a sore throat. Yeah. Uh, I've got my shoes on me today. Yeah. This is the third podcast we've done in 24 hours. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's probably <laughs> yeah. why, yeah. Um, but we're probably on for a shorter one today anyway, just because, you know, a bit of a quiet week. Um, we've got Crystal Palace on the horizon, but after that we've got Napoli, who, you know, they're a team that we've already previewed, so we're not really going to bother too much with that, so... We're going to be talking about Crystal Palace and we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be addressing the questions that we didn't get to last week. So, um, yeah, we'll get, we'll get straight into it and we'll start with, I, th- I think the, the, the perception among Liverpool fans at the minute is that, well, the perception among most of the league is that Crystal Palace are a, a really tricky opponent away from home and that it's a, it's a potential banana skin and things like that, but I'm not exactly sure it's true. No, I, I, I don't think it is, mate. Because um, I, I watched City face them recently and uh, just complete dominance from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the, the, the recent records as well, certainly in um, the last season and a bit, they haven't got a great home record at all, really. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the narrative behind that is the way they, they seem to have this um, loud fan base at Sellers Park, yeah. but it doesn't seem to really add anything to the to their ability on the pitch from what I've seen now I mean just just to capture it I think they the faced Chelsea already this season and they faced City this season one was a home one was away but you know a combined total of 11 shots mm. in, in those matches so you know only five and a half per match based on that um, faced Liverpool last season at the very start of the campaign we beat them 2-0 and um, and they only managed eight shots against us on the day. I think we managed. We I think we we hit about eighteen or, or so. Yeah, I, I just think it's 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 not the fixture that people paint it out to be. No. It, it's like people paint it as though we're coming up against. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a equivalent, like a Burnley, maybe. Yeah, maybe more. just like a quick counter attack and seeing that are really ruthless on the break. But I don't really think that. No, I don't know. I think the idea is was that hard that they're meant to be, but. Um, doesn't necessarily work like that. I'd look early and they've they've only won four of the past fourteen home league games. So it's not as if it's if it's just top sides who are getting points there. It's you know, everybody seems to be doing okay going to Selhurst Park. So um home form ranked sixteenth this season. Last season I think it was as low as eighteenth. You know, it was really poor. Yeah. Um so I I don't think Liverpool should be at all um concerned about well any more than they would, would be normally. I think they are a side that's generally suited to playing away from home anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think Liverpool, I, I could be wrong in saying this, but I think Liverpool's last league defeat at Anfield might have been Palace. Um, City's was, I think it was Wolves, but beyond that, it might have been Palace as yeah. well. They do tend to do quite well away from home, but I don't know. Do you just, do you, I don't feel as threatened by them as I used to. Um, no. I think it stems from Hodgson, to be honest. I think Hodgson's really inclined to just accept and I'm not sure if I, was, if I was saying this to you this week or someone else but I think he's too inferior he's too too happy to accept we're not as good 
So we'll be happy to get out with a two 0 loss. Yeah, he's he's very risk adverse and bland in these games, isn't he? He's just he's happy to just almost forfeit the results and it, it reminds me a little bit in this sense it might seem like a lazy comparison but it reminds me a bit of Allardyce you know Allardyce is he kind of he, he works a lot with and not the same way we talk about it but statistics and he's he goes with games that games that are difficult or you know they're not likely to win he shows little ambition to actually try and win them and instead he'll he'll almost forfeit them to the best extent you can and, and try and just win the games that they should be and Hodgson seems to be very similar mould in that sense Yeah I think that's, that's the key word what you've just said there ambition I think he's he's, he's almost scared of ambition mm. he seems to really be focused on managing expectations and things like that mm. like I've, I've, I've watched each of his last two uh, two home performances against Manchester City both times they barely had a kick mm. both times they were Bad for, yeah. the, for, for the majority, and and after the match, he comes out and he says things like, "You know, I'm not sure there was much more we could do," and he praises his team and things like that. And I just, I just think to myself, like, have a go a bit more. I mean, it's obviously, it's it sounds like a bit of a traditional dance. No, no, show, no, no I agree. Have a goal, but well, you know, especially at home as well. Like, um, I was talking to our producer guy, and he said that Palace have only scored 23 goals in the last 25 home games since the start of the 18-19 season. So. No, it, it doesn't just seem, it seems to never feel that. Under Hodgson, there never seems to be this, like, requirement to go out and win games, you know. No, they're, no. they're kind of just almost a reactive side who kind of work on what the opposition do and what the opposition presents and see what they can get from out of the games. Yeah, I think um, I think that's that's a perfect example. I think an, a, a, another manager who is, is the opposite of that when he perhaps shouldn't be is Chris, Chris Wilder, for example. Mm. He's been. I've been impressed by some of the comments he's been saying because he's like, you know, every match we, we haven't got any points, we haven't won a game, kind of thing. And yeah. no matter how how the status of the team, he still expects to win every week. And mm. Hodgson's very different in that regard. Obviously, it'll benefit Liverpool, I suppose, because yeah. he's, he, he won't be inclined to attack us really. Um, like he he was in charge when he was in charge of Liverpool. I vaguely recall a, a comment when when we weren't doing so well. He. He accepted that Liverpool may be in a relegation battle. Yeah. And you just can't do that. I remember, always remember them saying after Liverpool just being beaten in the Merseyside Derby 2 0. And he said, Yeah, Everton are what we aspire to be. Did he say that? Yeah, yeah which is, you know, it, it's wrong Moyes, on so many levels, really, for the Liverpool manager to say that. Yeah, I remember Moyes said that about City. Yeah, having just lost like I don't know three one two the most. Yeah, like when that. he was United manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's just that, um, but just sum him up and it, I think I think he's got a perfect job at the minute. It, the job's ideally two to two because I think all Crystal Palace are interested in at the minute is just consistent safety, mid table solidity, media, mediocrity, if you like. And so. I think he's really good at doing that mm. without pushing up further and without dropping below a certain level as well. Yeah, because that's the thing. They do tend to pick up points when they need to or against the sides that they should do. Well, um, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd enjoy it at my football club. No, same. I mean, just delving into actually the specifics of the match and what to expect, I think one one obviously quite glaring issue is um, Zaha up against Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm. That's obviously an area that is a Bit of a concern. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone episode again. Um, yeah, but th- that's obviously an area that's a bit of a concern. Chelsea faced him recently. Mm. Um, 
and Lampard dropped Azpilicueta and brought in Reese James specifically yeah. because he's just a bit more, you're a bit more youthful, a bit more mobile, a bit more capable of dealing with Zaha. Yeah. Um, and Liverpool haven't really got that luxury at the minute. We haven't. Well, we've got Joe Gomez, I suppose, but considering what I've just said about Palace and how the emphasis will be on Liverpool to break them down, I think it would be mad to drop Trent, although Zaha might may cause some problems. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that battle plays out. I thought the one with Rhys James is really good, and there was examples of Zaha getting the better of him, but James also got the better of him quite a few times, and it was really interesting to watch, and... I think in terms of Trent versus Aha, uh, I don't know if it's a concern, it's more of a test, I think. it's it, This will be give us an indication of how good defensively he is because we've, we've not been critical, that's too extreme of a way, but we have questioned his defensive capabilities, haven't we? Yeah. And we don't know where they rank. And if he was to come out and have a really strong performance against Zaha, then you'd start taking him a lot more serious in that aspect of his game. Um yeah, I mean, as as I said, you you absolutely keep him in the side just because of what he what he brings on the offensive side mm. of the game, um, yeah. which we're obviously going to need a, against this type of team. Uh, it's just for me, Palace are obviously heavily reliant on Zaha to get them up the field, mm. um, and I think up against at strength, he 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 will be allowed to do that. Having said that, I don't I don't think I don't think Zaha is as dangerous as people portray him to be. I think oh. he's inclined to just dribble, beat his man, then reverse and one of just beat him again. again yeah. And he's there's no actual, there's not a great deal of end product. No, you, you, whenever you think of Zaha and you think of watching him, you think of like these dribbling moments that are really impressive. So you know, beating a beating a man, but you never see the end product, do you? And he hasn't he hasn't scored a ton. He hasn't assisted a lot either in recently anyway. Um, and even his dribbles, per ninety, had a little gander. You know, they were just short of 13 per 90 last season. Um, that's dropped to just over 11 this season. So his, his output isn't as, isn't as good at the moment. And I just don't know if he's, if he's the same same player. You know, he made it quite clear he wanted to leave in the summer. He nearly did. And I just wonder if he's, he's still got the bit between his teeth. He was actually linked with Evan, wasn't he, come to think of yeah, it? Yeah, well, he, he put a transfer request to try and move. Yeah. Um, um, what, what, a, what a sad little man! <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, kidding, of course. But I, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think he's a, he's a bit of a. I don't know. I think he, he could require coaching on on actual his decision making in the final third and what he does once he actually beats his man. Well, here's one because we talked about this with the likes of Grealish and McGinn when we were talking about Villa. Do you how how high do you think Zaha's ceiling is? I was just a rabbit hole. But I'm just curious. Um, I think he's a top six player. I think he's I think he's a top six player, yeah, but not his current game. I think if 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 he was to move to a top six team, mm. he'd be expected and required to provide more of an output. Basically, mm. I remember Sterling made the move to City, and Guardiola spoke since about like one of the things he had to get into Sterling's head was that like you know the goal is there, yeah, and, yeah. and like that's what everything you have to do. Isn't it has got to be focused towards getting the ball there? Yeah, funneling it almost to the yeah, to just, the goal rather than you know just the wide areas. Yeah, just being a bit more efficient, being a bit more focused on actual like decisive moments rather than just loads of nice bits of football that don't really add a great deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean this this season his shots do seem to be a little bit down. I think he's only shooting about one point five times a match, which isn't much at all. 
he's only shot. I said that to you earlier. He's only shot twenty times so far all season, which felt low to me. Uh, I didn't actually bother checking comparison to other players, but he's only shot twenty times so far this season, which doesn't doesn't feel like much. Um, but you, you, I was just going to say, do you, do you think that's perhaps due to the, the offensive nature of his team? Yeah, they they're not really in the second side, are they at all? Oh yeah, I think they. They lack it. They, everything's kind of built on the transition, isn't it? Win the ball back, trying to launch a counter attack, but they're, they're so heavily reliant on Zaha. I don't always think they support him enough in those attacks. So I wonder how many times his attacks just literally peter out in terms of pure lack of options on the ball. Yeah, and um, that could explain why his dribbles are slightly down, why his, his shooting isn't isn't as Efficient as you'd expect. I say, if he, if he was in a top six team, you'd, you'd imagine him to be, you know, twice that output. You know, yeah, two, yeah, two yeah. maybe three shots a, a game. So I think that is a huge factor because um, we've seen it with other attack-minded players in other clubs. Who, like we were looking a lot at Newcastle recently, weren't we? And the likes of Almiron and <coughs> the kind of impact, um, the impact of playing in a side like that has on these on these attacking players. Yeah, I mean. Just to capture exactly what Liverpool are up against, because obviously we've uh, <laughs> slated Palace a fair bit in the yeah, first uh, yeah. fifteen minutes there, but just to actually capture what they're like on the attacking side, uh, they're currently bottom of the league for expected goals, um, second bottom for goals scored, fourth bottom for average possession share, and they've taken the fewest shots in the league, six fewer than Sheffield United, so. As I said, when 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 you're saying this this Crystal Palace team as you know threatening on the break and that, and that sort of thing, for the last majority they're, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're um, really I think cautious is probably the word I'd use. Maybe mm. um, cautious and unambitious. Yeah, unambitious team. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I think it's going to be a case of a uh, basically Liverpool. The, the emphasis being on Liverpool to to break them down. Yeah. Um. Hence why Trent makes sense. Hence my perhaps. You might look at and Abi Cater if he if he's if he's right to play. You might look at Shakiri in a four two three one if he's right to play. You know he's back and saying I doubt he'll play like. And perhaps an Oxley Chamberlain just to, just because of how how little offensive threat Palace do tend to offer. Like the, even the strikers they've got. I think Christian Benteke who's obviously renowned if you look at the XG as a player who just can't seem to find a net no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I've got I think it's Jordan here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Not. Not a particularly clinical player, so no. it's really going to be attack versus defence. I think for me, this. Yeah, yeah, can't add any more than that. I think I agree. You know, those those players you listed there will be important in terms of just disorganising that, just creating a bit of chaos and disorganising a defensive structure. You know, it, you don't want to be too reliant on on, on Trent and Robertson crossing balls into the box. You know, you want to be able to mix up the um, the ways in which you're attacking. Um, well, I was I just, those players could be key. Well, I was just going to say then that it, it could be a problem that Robertson's potentially missing the match. Oh, is he? Yeah, because obviously a lot of Liverpool's attacking comes through that. Mm. We've talked before about Liverpool switching the play from flank to flank yeah. as a means of disrupting the defence. Yeah, stretching. That may be less on if Robertson's is it, on a you know absence. Is he is, is he looking definitely to be? The, the weird is that Robertson and Salah are both likely to miss the match. Yeah, which is you know. Might just be smoke, but it's a concern oh, yeah. if that's actually true. Considering, as I said, it's go- it's going to literally be attack versus defense. And yeah. if you haven't got those two players, you've instead got 
Milner and probably Origi. And there's a distinct drop there. But then is it important then to to play like a, a, a cater then or someone yeah, yeah, yeah. in that role? And we talked about this before, haven't we, about that being the attacking emphasis on that side? Yeah, if if those players are genuinely out, I'd, I'd absolutely look at quite an offensive midfield. Hmm. Um, not to the extent where you just run on aimlessly into the box and leaving all kinds of vacant yeah. space, but just, just players that are naturally inclined to influence the game in the final third as opposed to I don't know maybe maybe a Henderson who's a bit more if the ball's lost now where am I yeah yeah he's a bit more inclined to think like that isn't he yeah definitely Uh, defensively Crystal Palace about mid-table not not, not particularly bad not not particularly good either currently 13th in the league for expected goals against 14th in the league for shots faced um, would you would you actually say that then that the they're not great at all defensively? Because although those numbers paint them as mid table, if you think that they're a, a very much a defence orientated side, then you, you could you argue then that you know if their big focus is on the defensive aspects of the game, they're still not ranking particularly well. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna just gonna check the expected points now. So Crystal Palace scoring some expected points. Should be seventeenth, I think that's right. So yeah, so seventeenth, <laughs> yeah. 17th, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no, and I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think they. Sh- I looked at looked at it earlier. I think they should have conceded about nineteen, but I think they've actually conceded sixteen. Hmm. And considering most of their positive results have been within a one goal margin, hmm. if they'd have conceded as many as they should have, they mightn't have got those positive results. They might yeah. have got a few draws or, or, or things yeah. like that rather than wins. So, as I said. I'd, I'm not. I don't feel too threatened. It's just more a case of will Liverpool be able to break this team down. I'm a little bit concerned about that in comparison to usual, purely because of Robertson and Salah. Mm. But on the other hand, still have Trent, still have Mane. We have offensive midfielders if you want to use them. And typically, when we're facing these low teams, we do. We don't seem to have any issues really. We mm. do seem to have record against you know bottom 10 teams or something we have said it previously on the pod but it's it's flaws I think I can't remember the last time we dropped points to, no. to a team like this no Um. so yeah I mean I, there's, there's not a great deal else to cover I do think it'll be just attack versus defence I think Hodgson will show us almost more respect than we deserve I think he'll be somewhat scared to attack Um. and I think it'll be very much like the City game in terms of City just trying to break them down for 90 minutes Palace trying to use counter-attacks, but they're inclined to sit in the block that's so deep that if you do try and counter from there, you've got quite a distance to go. Yeah, you can't. they can't explode quick enough to you know to support the likes of Zaha. So, as I said, Liverpool is so quick to close players down when they, when they look to counter that by the time um, they, they get up to, to the play or try and catch up to them. They've already, ball's already been won back. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as I said, I do think it'll be attack versus defence. If Liverpool manage to get a breakthrough, then I think it'll be a, a relatively comfortable match. Mm. If that takes a while to happen, like last season, although we did dominate them, although they only took eight shots against us, we only managed to actually find a breakthrough bang on half-time with a penalty mm. through Milner. And we scored again to make it 2-0, last kick of the game. Mm. Mane, just yeah, open yeah. goal. So... You know, it's it's all about breaking this team down because they're not they're not going to offer a great deal on the attacking side for me. Um, 
So just, you know, verdict, what do you, what do you, what do you think? How do you expect? So I, I think it'll be a 2-0 Liverpool win, but um, that doesn't sound a domineering headline. I still think it'll be a, a dominant performance. Um, I just think sometimes there's that many bodies between the, the attacking side and the goal. Like it's just difficult to kind of um, build a commanding <laughs> um, tally in terms of goals, but I still yeah. still fancy it to be an easy afternoon. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much the same. I I I also think two 0 I think I'll go with that myself. I think Liverpool will take again roughly around twenty shots, and I think Palace will take certainly below ten. Um, I expect Liverpool to dominate. You know, around seventy percent possession. Palace will just defend the penalty box for the majority of the match and attack versus defence thing until that's 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 genuinely what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um. So hopefully that'll be the case. Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. We'll move on anyway to questions. Mm. Uh, we obviously had ones left over from last week, which we're going to address for the remainder of the podcast. Obviously, with um, the international break happening, it's just it's a dead week, isn't it's it? Quiet, really? mate. Yeah, yeah. Very there's quiet. not a great deal going on. Uh, so I'll let you take the first one yeah annoyingly we still haven't got names have we but a, a lot no. of people did flag that it was their question when they listened back to the show so um, yeah if you do that the same thank you but uh, is the four two three one going to help us through the Christmas period like last year might help reduce sprint volume um, I mean it could do yes but what I would say is I feel like the four two three one is better deployed for specific opponents using certain individuals as opposed to simply an resting exercise. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, um, you know, obviously we talked a little bit about um, using it against sides who sit really deep or deal well with crosses into the box. Um, so, yeah, it, it it can be beneficial, but it needs to be used uh, versus the the right opposition is what I'd probably say. Yeah, I do think we'll use it though. Yeah, especially with Shakiri yeah. coming back into the uh, back into the fray. But as you, as you say, I, th- I do think it's it's going to be an attack employ against teams like Crystal Palace. Yeah. To be honest, um, mainly at Anfield, when you just need to have another attack and player on the pitch rather than rather than saving your energy specifically. Yeah. Um. So I was asked, has Firmino's role changed, um, or has form dipped as the season has progressed? Started the season taking far more shots, which which we we covered on this podcast. Um, feels as though it's lessened. So his role certainly hasn't changed for me, uh, but he he has reverted to closer to what we used to. Initially, we did say that um, you know he he was taking around four shots a match. I think four shots per ninety, which is. Put it this way, Salah's average, and he takes the most at Liverpool, Salah's average tends to be around 3.7 per 90. So Firmino was posting four early on. But we did say, crucially, that you know these are just clues that the likely to even out as the match as the season progresses. Firmino's now on in the Premier League and the Champions League an average of 2.77 per 90, which is much closer to, to his usual. It's, st- it's still his highest currently at Liverpool. Um... I think last season it was something like 2.6. Season before it was like 2.6. But as the season goes on, I think he'll regress. Well, not regress, but I think revert. Revert is better. Yeah, that's, that's a word, isn't it? Better to, yeah. I think he'll just go back to normal. So 
that initial spike of taking four shots per 90 does seem to have dropped. Nina, he now seems to be the normal Firmino again. Mm. But not necessarily a worse player. No, mm. by by no means, no. Just uh, maybe letting, letting Salah and Mane do the shooting again. Mm. Yeah, That's which has thing. really always been the case, hasn't it? Well, since that three have developed. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there a case to say Henderson and Wijnaldum should only play together when it's against the top six or Champions League side? And Cater and Chamberlain play when we know we'll have 65% plus of the ball um, because they're better finding key, key passes, basically. Um, I, I think it's a good good theory, yeah. I, I totally get it on paper. A couple of things impact it for me. Um, one's probably the consistent rea- reliability of Chamberlain and Cater just because I feel like they're close to getting there. Certainly Chamberlain in terms of being integral to the side, but there still just seems when they come in that there's not always a guarantee that they perform at the levels that you you require. Um, I don't know if they've quite got the same trust with Klopp yet. Just my opinion. Um, but secondly, I, I think the system that Liverpool have in place now works perfectly versus the bulk of the opponents that Liverpool come up against. Yeah, yeah. And it gets the best from the fullbacks. I just, I, I don't yet see a need to change it so drastically if you this season. Um, I think both players could be crucial to an evolution of the side further down the line. But for now, I just think the system that, that Liverpool play, even against the non-perceived top six, is still virtually faultless. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree on that. Um, I can see the logic behind it, but I think rather than looking at defence, midfield and attack as separate entities, if you like, mm. if you look at it as a whole, the system works because of because of the the lack of risk taken almost in mm. the centre and the excessive risk taking that takes place everywhere else yeah. almost, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I think they are useful in certain moments and against certain opposition. Um. But I don't think it's. I think it's it's proven that even though they're not, they're not the biggest risk takers and they're not the most adventurous on the ball, Henderson Wijnaldum, it, it's proven. I think that it's not a problem if everything else works. Definitely, basically. yeah, yeah. I um, think. Do you feel like there's just this need to, you know, they've pulled the elite up top, you no know, elite wing backs, elite defensively. We want this elite midfield as well. Without it's just it's always missing the point of the midfield. I think and its purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, at the end of the day, you need players that are more inclined to defend. You need players that are more focused on what's going to happen if the ball is lost. Mm. Uh, you need players that are going to accept the the instruction of take fewer risks with the ball or, or whatever. Be be a bit more careful, kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, players such as Oxley Chamberlain and Keita are more likely to take risks. Sometimes those risks will benefit you, obviously, but sometimes they might cause you a bit of a problem. Yeah. And over the course of a full season, if you can avoid those little little errors, little mistakes, then then absolutely do it. And I think Chamberlain and Keita need a perhaps need a little bit more work regarding the decisions in certain moments. Yeah. Certainly, Ox, I think Ox is a bit more. You can tell he's an attacker at, at, at heart, so yeah, he wants to go forward, he wants to try things, but. Sometimes it can result in us being counter attacked. Yeah. Uh, so I was asked, do you think Leicester or Chelsea is better equipped to maintain their form through the rest of the season? And is either team a real threat to Liverpool's title ambitions? Good question. Yeah. Uh, I thought 
I, I think Chelsea for me are definitely the third best team in the league mm. at the minute, undoubtedly. They're getting the results, but they're also getting the performance levels as well. Massively out shooting their opponents every match, not facing a great deal on the defensive side, although they are suffering a bit from set pieces and things like that. Um, I, I like what they're doing regarding bringing through the kids and things, so... I, I am a big fan, to be honest, of what Chelsea are doing at the minute. It's really surprising. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is. You know, it, I've said it before, but it is a little bit of an an eye wiper moment for us because we were quite cautious, weren't we, of 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 Lampard going in at Chelsea, and it looked t- to be a disaster, really. Um, it, it was just it was more a case of you have no idea what you're getting. Yeah, well, exactly. If you look at the you're sa- a club side of Chelsea, were trying to. Yeah, if you want to look yeah. at if you want to minimise risk and use use data to analyse whether a manager is a good investment or not, mm. and you looked at Lampard's numbers, mm. you would have just got the vibe that we have no idea. Could be great, could be terrible. Yeah. So it's a risk that he take that he took. It's paid off. I don't think it's a risk Liverpool would have took, but you know, there yeah, you go. I suppose they're still reaping uh, reaping the benefits, but um, uh, and Leicester, a uh, little bit of a different story. I do I do think they're the fourth best team in the league. Mm. At the minute, but they have benefited a lot from just luck, player quality, red cards, and things like that. Um, they've currently scored double their expected goals. Yeah, which is which is if if you follow the XG, that will come back. That will come back and, and get you. It's just what it does for, for whatever reasons. Just can't escape it forever, can you? Yeah, it, it'll come back and get you eventually. Yeah, um, and. On the defensive side, it's not to the extent that they're overperforming double, but they are conceding less than expected. Um, and as I said, it, it, over time, you know, we see it with plenty of clubs. I think Solskjaer is probably a good example. It's not the same as that. They're still, as I said, they're still the fourth best team in the league. Mm. But when you do overperform and you benefit like this, eventually, if you're looking at the numbers like that, XG does suggest that Leicester aren't as good as this mm. you know what I mean yeah yeah so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out oh yeah okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I forgot where we were up to to be honest I was too too busy getting engrossed in the uh, the Leicester stuff um, just thinking about Rodgers yeah <laughs> yeah um, Sancho on the LFC radar would he be a good fifth for Liverpool now you obviously wrote a big piece on him didn't you um, that's definitely worth checking out. Where where can people find it? Just in case they haven't. It's on Liverpool Echo, and it's also being created into a video, top quality video as well. So check the Blood Red YouTube channel if you can't be bothered reading and you want to instead watch, because it's it's narrated, and you know it's captured through video. So I definitely yeah. check that one out. It is very good. Uh, in short, though, yeah, it would be a really really good fit for Liverpool. Um, you know, uh, the obvious thing is he's he's versatile, he's skillful, creates goals, he scores them. But uh, you know, we've spoke about the evolution of the side in the coming years as well. He's just nineteen. You know, he's nineteen. He he can he he can have a like he can be the next stage of Liverpool while still contributing to this side today. Um, for me, just be a perfect player. And you know, someone who could potentially fill the fill the uh, boots of one of that. From three, probably would you say Mane? Uh, it's 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 tricky with him because he plays on both flanks. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I wrote in the piece. He's right footed, um, so you'd think Mane because yeah. Mane is obviously on the left, cutting inside. Mm. But I don't want to think he's mainly played on the right mm. 
but so you'd think he's like a traditional Beckham winger, but he's still not. He's he's quite two footed anyway. Yeah, but it just depends exactly what you want from. But that's what yeah, touching on the versatile point, said that's what's so great about him, isn't it? Really, he can do multiple roles. He's, yeah, uh, he's such a special talent. Um, yeah, really so, good player. Yeah, Liverpool ball soon. That'd be a unbelievable sign. Sign. I think rather than me elaborating on that, I'll go on to the next one, which is a little bit of a joint question, I think, but. If you guys had the power and the pace, who would be your top three realistic targets in the coming transfer window? I'm gonna say now we're not. We we will. I'd be some. I'd be amazed if we signed anyone in January. I just don't think it'll happen. Klopp's a German coach for the start, and January is just considered as emergencies only. And I don't think Liverpool really have an emergency, or certainly don't yes, don't yes anyway. Um, but I think I haven't really got th- three targets that are in mind at the minute anyway that, that I actually want to target I think Liverpool are really comfortable at the minute I said to you didn't I when, before we started recording I was like I really struggle with these questions from a Liverpool point of view because I can't I don't feel like I can add any hidden gem at the moment who come in and impact this side you know, I, I said you know you can you're probably about to say Timo Werner but well, I was, go- was going to say if Liverpool do have any areas to address for me it, it can only be a proper decent backup to the front three, mm. and certainly a backup left back, and possibly a backup right back. Mm. If you're if you want to move Joe Gomez away from that, um, so looking at the front three for me, Timo Vane is the player that I, I want. He for a start, he'll cost considerably less than Jaden Sancho, which is why I'm not exactly certain that that one will happen. I'd like it to. Mm. I think he's in, he's very suited to Liverpool, very very high ceiling. But I think Liverpool are a bit more economic and how they go about things. And Sancho's going to cost upwards of 150 million, I think. Yeah. Considering he's like an English potential Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah, because you've got potentially what three or four clubs realistically you'd be buying for, and you've got Liverpool and then two Manchester clubs. Yeah. Um, whereas if you compare that to Timo Werner, I, I think. He signed a new deal in the summer, but I think it was with a release clause, a realistic one as well. Um, he's quite young. He's basically, if you look at his numbers, it's it's crazy how much he looks like a, a right-footed version of Mo Salah. He takes exa- virtually exactly the same amount of shots per 90. Dribble is about the same. They're both about the same height, but short and stocky, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Quick over short spaces. Um, Werner's about, you know, something like three or four years younger. Um, and he's he's learning as well under Julian Nagelsmann right now at, at RB Leipzig. He, he, apparently he's learning the false nine role as well, yeah, which is to, interesting. Yeah, he can he can incorporate all that to his game, can't he? He's yeah, a, so... F- it's like a hybrid. Yeah, f- for me, he's a player that would literally allow complete fluidity across the whole front three. Mm. Uh, make a great deal of sense for me. And he's German as well, which coincides with Klopp. Yeah. Um, and another another player that I just thought was worth mentioning, I mean, just as a, you know, the general type that I think we'll be after is is Jamal Lewis, yeah. um, left-back. Obviously Norwich. Because um, I don't think we'll be inclined to sign a player to compete with Robertson and like that. But we'll sign a player with, um, with you know, long-term potential. And I think Jamal Lewis is, you know, physically built, athletic, quick up the line, good on the ball. Um, if Norwich get relegated, they'll be relatively cheap. 
So for me, he was just he's just an option in there that I'd like to throw in there in terms of he he makes sense homegrown as well. Yeah, Who, who's the other guy on the other wing on the other flank? For knowledge, uh, that's Max Adams. But Max Adams. I haven't been as impressed by no, him. No, yeah, he didn't. It he doesn't look like he's adjusted as as well, does he? He's not as physically built either, and I don't think he's he's as, as ready as as Lewis is. Yeah, Lewis looks but, to but me as maybe, but maybe someday though he could. Uh, yeah, he could get up there. Um, he could, you know, he's still young, isn't he? So potentially he could still be in a, a top player eventually. Next question. Um, yeah. So you know, we've got. I've got the. We talked about revisiting. Oh yeah, go on. Yeah, um, which I this wasn't a question, was it? This is just something that we we kind of talked about. Yeah, this is a, po- a point I want to make. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically. We spoke not so long ago about who's best equipped to take points from from Liverpool this season. Yeah, we were asked this in their last international break yeah. as a question. At, off the top of my head, I believe it was United at Old Trafford and maybe Everton at Goodison, but yeah. solely just because of the... And obviously City as well. Uh, City wasn't in the question. City was like, who's best equipped outside City? Oh, it was, of course, yeah. Um, so it was basically the emotional aspects of the game. That United actually came to as well. We dropped points. Yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, same like same with Goodison, maybe. <laughs> well, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it, it was just quickly anyway. Who's best equipped to take points from Liverpool? But it's one that we want to. Re- yeah, it's yeah. one that we want to revisit. But why do we want to revisit, Josh? Well, because f- for me, it's Jose Mourinho's Spurs. That's changed. That changed the landscape a bit, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Uh, especially considering our our next fixture with them's away. Mm. I think I've been quite surprised at how much he's been slated since yeah. he got the job because I accept that some of his methods seem relatively out of date now but you've got to put into perspective how terrible the United job was to have at the time just a shambles of a club at the minute in terms yeah. of how they ran I think he's uh, he's really really good at adapting tactics to nullify the strengths of the opposition isn't it isn't yeah, he but, yeah very, he's a master of that yeah yeah but sometimes people can perceive that as being defense, defensive um, yeah but it is a tactic and he's very good at it. And just, just a quick caveat I want to put in there is the fact that he's you know, he's been away from the game for twelve months. He hasn't had any pressures from yeah. from a from a club. You know, he's just been able to watch the game out of the bubble. New assistance as well. Yeah. And I wonder just how much of that is he's gonna be able to analyse Liverpool's game as well. Yeah, no, he's he, he's the perfect pantomime villain for Liverpool, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's la- he's labelled as a defensive coach quite often, I think, but f- for me I think a better way to describe him is Strategic, I think I'd, I'd describe him as. Yeah, definitely. Based, you know, adjusting based on the strength of the opposition, um, and I think he's he's done quite well whenever we've went away to Mourinho teams. Mm. He's he's good at nullifying our front three and things like that. And I just think if we get to that point of the season and we're still unbeaten and we go away to a Mourinho team at home, yeah. I know what he's like. Yeah, he will not want us to be unbeaten. I can just see that being a tricky, tricky fixture. Do you think, on top of all that, he'll probably still have a little bit of a of a grudge for that? That was the the Anfield game. That was his last at United. Yeah, well, it got him the sack, really, didn't yeah. it? I suppose. Uh, so yeah, I think I think we'll have to we'll have to end on that one anyway. Yeah, um, we'll short, delve into that definitely be pre pre that fixture. That'll yeah, be fun. yeah, that'll be good. Um, so a bit of a shorter podcast this week, but you know, blame the international break for that one. By the way, can you, if everyone just give Josh credit, because believe me when I tell you, his throat is really bad <laughs> and he's done well to do with uh, probably around a 40-minute pod today. Yeah, yeah, three podcasts in 24 hours. Mm. Um, so we will be back next week to 
uh, to assess how Palace went, how Napoli went, and we'll look ahead to, I think it's Brighton. I think it's Brighton. I'm it is Brighton, entire. definitely, yeah. Brighton and Anfield. Yeah, so uh, thanks for tuning in. Dave, thanks for joining us. Cheers, mate. Cheers, See everyone. you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.